0: Both of our scripture texts today come from the lectionary for the third Sunday of Advent. You've heard uh, the gospel according to Luke and a little bit more about the one who comes, John the Baptist. Our second lesson also is the lectionary for today from the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 4. Listen to these words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Both of our texts today come from the lectionary. Uh, The bulletin indicates that this sermon is entitled Judgment and Joy. It's not about that. Maybe a better title is A Moment of Truth. The last few days have been especially hard for all of us. It's the third Sunday of Advent. We gather to sing and celebrate God's presence. We gather around the Advent wreath and we light candles for love and peace and joy our intention is to open our lives to God's spirit and presence but our hearts are broken with another major shooting that shocks our nation and stuns the whole world this time it's not a mall it's not a movie theater it's not a college campus it is as you know an elementary school an elementary school so many children killed little kids, age six and seven. So many traumatized people, children, other children, their parents, others in that community, police officers and paramedics who went on to that scene. The whole region is affected now for a very long time. The personal stories are just coming out and that community is now on a long and arduous road that will include funerals many of them grief for a very long time recovery for a very long time and lots of struggling with fear and emotional scars that will be passed that will linger for generations as you might guess Friday evening and Saturday Following the news from Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut, and in large part because of my experience with the shootings in Blacksburg, these have been days of intense prayer and many conversations. I've talked to police officers who called and asked, wondering from the depth of their hearts, is this evil too great? Is it too pervasive in our society? Do we ever have a chance to deal with this kind of terror and violence? They want to know. This sickness is pervasive. This terror and violence feels overwhelming. I've talked with parents of Virginia Tech victims whose hearts break for the parents in that community in Connecticut. I've heard from a number of you and others from around who know that these issues all bring heartache to all of us. And I've been in touch with the leaders of our Virginia Police Ministry, supported by this church. We're seeking to find ways to be helpful and it may well be that in the months ahead and as the road unfolds for this community that they'll solicit our help. Does God have a word for us today? Does God have a word for us in the face of terror and violence? We light the pink candle today, and it's the candle of joy. That scripture today comes from Philippians. You heard it. The word is rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. I don't think that's the word of the Lord for us today. I rather take great comfort in the fact that God is crying with those people in Newtown, Connecticut. I take comfort in the fact that God is holding the parents of those 20 kids who will never hold their own kids again. I take comfort in the fact that God is holding the siblings and the families, and I take comfort that God's tears are flowing along with ours, especially for those people who've lost friends and fellow teachers and others. God's word today is certainly not rejoice. We can hear other words from that wonderful passage from Philippians. Let your requests be made known to God. We have requests. We do. I do. You do, I bet. We have requests this weekend. We request an end to the violence. Please, God. We request the God's help in this mess, mental illness, and senseless killing. We pray sincerely for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding As it says in that passage, we pray that God will guard our hearts and minds, indeed all hearts and minds, in the light and love that brings redemption and hope to that community, but also to the whole world. This is not the best day for rejoicing. This is a good day for requesting. Requesting God's presence and peace and healing, especially in that community in Connecticut, but also to our own lives and to the whole world. Is there another word from the Lord today? I think our first lesson actually speaks something to our hearts. Our first lesson engages us with John the Baptist again. We met him last week. He said, prepare the way last week. Today the verses follow from that passage beginning with verse 7. And this week John's message gets downright aggressive. It's about judgment. It's a word of direction for our lives. It's an important and helpful word for us, even if we don't like hearing it, even if it puts us off today. Nobody really likes to hear what John is saying. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. That's what John says. In fact, every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Here's the question. How are our hearts open really and truly to God? How are our lives more aligned with what God calls us to be about? That's what's going on in this passage. That's what John is really asking. How do we discover the hope that God provides for us and for the world? Are we open to it? Can we align with it? This is what's at stake. In fact, this is always what's at stake. Aligning our lives with God and moving life and our lives closer to the hope and the wholeness that God intends for all of us. Let me just speculate a little bit. Some of us are here today knowing that life has gotten derailed and we want to get back on track. Perhaps it's the awful shootings this weekend in Connecticut. We live, friends, in a terror-filled world, and we want some fresh reminder that goodness is stronger than evil, and love is stronger than hate, and light is stronger than darkness. We've been derailed. We want to get back on track. Some of us are here today perhaps hoping that amidst the busy life that is ours, we'll experience something of God's peace and God's promises. So we continue on through this particular week that is unfolding for each of us. We come here for fellowship and we come here for faith. And we come here to be recharged and renewed. To live with more depth in God's presence and more love as God's people. Perhaps some of us are dealing with more recent challenges and trials. Yes, there's horror that leads to such death and violence in Connecticut, but we also have personal circumstances and issues that leave us far from where we want to be. And maybe, just maybe, with God's help, we can get back where we need to be. Some of us are here perhaps simply looking for some sense of, God's restoring spirit. We're looking to find a time of retreat. We hope to discover somewhere in this sacred space or in this service a taste of God's love and presence. We carry around disappointments. We carry around grief. We live with depression. We live with loss. And we look for God's light to brighten our paths and somehow bring some balance. Some of us are struggling to keep it together, maybe marriage, maybe work life, maybe some recent personal challenge. We need to have a real hope that God understands what we're dealing with, where we are, and God cares about us and is in it with us. Each of us sometimes and all of us at various times are trying to find our way to life. Life with God. Life full of hope and wholeness. The kind of life that God promises us. That's what we're wanting. John the Baptist lures us out. We're all seeking and searching. We're all juggling things and hiding other things. We're all striving for and hoping for a sense of God's Presence and John lures us out to the region around the Jordan. That is a loaded phrase. The region around the Jordan. See, the Jordan is an important region in that part of the world. You can look on Google Earth and look at it, see it. It's an important river and region in that part of the world. It's not only a river. It's not just a geographical location on a map. It is a highly symbolic and spiritual place. The region around the Jordan. It's not only a fresh river that creates this fertile crescent region. And flows into the Sea of Galilee. The area, the region around the Jordan Jordan is always a place of powerful new beginnings. You may recall the story of the Israelites, God's people. They were taken off away from the land to be slaves in Egypt, but God freed them and led them to the promised land. God heard their cries of suffering as slaves. God recognized their oppression in Egypt, their desperation in that land, and God empowered Moses to go and lead them out. And Moses led them out, out of slavery, out of oppression out of Egypt, out across the wilderness and through very much hardship and to the promised land. When did the journey from oppression finally end and the new season of life truly begin? When they got to the area around the Jordan and they crossed the river into the promised land. The Jordan is a powerful place of new beginnings. And that's happening again in our passage today. For many people in that region, life remains full of misery and heartache and oppression, even terror. The Romans occupy the territory and their leaders are ruthless. The faith scene, the religious leaders, have left the people desperate and without much hope. For the people present around there, the region around the Jordan with John, life is generally very heavy with lots of heartache. So John went out to the region around the Jordan and the people gather in crowds, it says, seeking new life, seeking hope, anticipating God's coming, looking for real possibility and wholeness. In fact, they're waiting for and looking for the inbreaking of God's kingdom. And in this same region around the Jordan, through the baptism of repentance, and with all that follows in the life and the ministry of Jesus, they cross back across the Jordan again, and they launch into the coming reign of God. A place of new beginnings. John's methods and his message create, friends, a moment of truth when God breaks into the scene around the Jordan in John and in Jesus here intends to be a new beginning the coming reign of God, the old is gone and the new has come listen again to what John said first do not begin to think or say to yourselves that, that Abraham is your ancestor God's people, ourselves included have a long tendency of thinking that we might be exempt from certain requirements that God has for us or we might be excluded from certain hardships that come our way. We're the chosen people, remember? God loves us, remember? God's promises cover us, remember? We tend to think that this frees us from having to live a certain way. John says, no. Jesus comes along and says it again. No. When we claim God's love and promises, our lives are to manifest that love. That's it. When we know ourselves to belong to God, then we live in obedience to God. That's how it works. Not in order to gain God's love, but because we've been so loved. We cannot just say we're Abraham's ancestors real life and real faith lead to good works, to deeds of love and mercy and action. We've been baptized into God's love and we've been ordained, all of us ordained to be agents for God's kingdom and all kinds of kingdom work in the world. That's how the kingdom comes. That is John's message. Second, the crowds say, What then shall we do? Isn't this what we're asking today? In the face of terror and heartache? What then should we do? They want to know, like we want to know, what this faithful living actually look like, looks like, what real fruit bearing means so that it will not be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And John says, well, if you have two coats, you must share with anyone who has none. And if you're scheming and you're extorting people like the tax collectors were in that day, don't do it. And John says, if you are acting harshly to one another, like the soldiers were doing and oppressing people, then quit it. And all this was so convincing And so possible about a new day dawning for those people. A new era emerging that they looked at John and they thought he must be the Messiah. And John says, no, it's not me. There's one coming after me. He's much greater. He will come with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's to say, he will come with a powerful presence of God much more than you're seeing here. And God is not a tame God. God is awesome, and God is majestic, and God brings peace, and God brings hope, and God cares very much with what we do about our lives as God's people. God expects our lives to bear fruit. That's what John's saying. God asks us to work with God for the inbreaking of God's promised reign. It's a moment of truth. I must say that the last two days have numbed me feels like too much once again. This time, little kids. Little kids covered with fear. Victimized by death. Another quiet, peaceful town now joins the ranks of infamy because of a crazy killer and guns in a school. We might say, how does this happen? How does it happen? Well, it happens when crazy people get guns and go into school seeking to destroy God's beautiful world. Just as God gives us amazing ability and wonderful opportunities to bring life and light, to create and build and love and care, we're equally capable of doing tremendous evil, creating heartache and harm, even killing the most beautiful and the most innocent. We might say, where's God? Well, we say God is present, ever-present. God is ever-present amidst the screams, ever-present as ordinary folk perform extraordinary acts of bravery and courage and sacrifice. Where is God? God is there in any moment, no matter how big or how small, that looks like compassion and care and love and safety and hope. God is there as the teachers and the janitors provide warning and rescue, locking little kids in the closet and running to confront the killer. God is there. God is there in the police officers and the paramedics who come into that scene. God is there now, right now, comforting, soothing fears, giving strength to the community, working for healing. In these days immediately following such a trauma, we feel numb and we feel uncertain about so many things. But the message holds. It does. This is God's world. We're God's people. God is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. The world is dangerous. But God is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hatred. Light is stronger than darkness. God holds us. And remains with us. Through bullets. And broken glass. Screeching screams, tears, incredible painful loss, that's our God. So we repeat what those out in the area around the Jordan asked John. What then shall we do? We keep recalling, friends, that God is our God and nothing can separate us from God's love. We're God's people. We even join our voices, our laments, our longing with all those who've known such heartache and hopelessness and despair and setback. And, friends, we keep working to bear fruit in a world, striving to make the world a more wholesome and hopeful place. We share what we have That's what John invited. We deal with one another justly. We resist selfishness and strive to create community, a world where God's intentions prosper. I hope this means also having honest conversations about what kind of world we wanna live in, about safety and sanity when it comes to guns, about light and life for everyone. This is the new beginning that John offers. It's about faith. It's about commitment. It's about finding out life in God's love and what God intends for us, and it's right where Jesus picks up. Otherwise, we are harshly judged. One thing is clear from the scriptures and from our experiences. The announced coming reign of God demands our attention, our focus, our action. In light of more violent shootings that steal innocent life, especially from young children, God expects us to act. We cannot just wait for God's coming. We have work to do. This is what John is saying. This is what Jesus says, if you have two coats, tend to those who have none. If you're bullying or mistreating people, turn that around. We have to turn and keep turning from our self-interest to what God is interested in. Justice, fair treatment for everyone, and certainly a safer world where children don't have to see their teachers shot in their own classroom. Where gun violence is put in check and Communities can really be places of safety, just as it was for the people in the region around the Jordan. It's a moment of truth. Our lives, our joy, our hope, they are at stake. They're always at stake. See, John's stern words seek to engage our hearts and actually inspire us. John's passion and his zeal about the coming of Christ intend to engage us in God's critical work. John's message, even his words of judgment, want to move us to align our lives with God and God's purposes for a better world. We have work to do for real peace and real light in a world of violence We have to embody God's presence, especially in those moments when God seems most absent. We have to cry with those who are hurting and let them know that God cries with them. And we have to seek justice and safety in a world of terror. We can all do many things, all of us. Some small Some large. But we can all do many things to promote God's peace and God's presence. As people of faith, faith means action. Faith alters how we live. But goodness is always stronger than evil. And love is stronger than hatred. And God's people have continuing work to do. To be instruments of peace and healing. We're to be inspired. We're to be engaged. We're to be committed to loving and serving and making the world better. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, oh God, we do. Help our unbelief and move us to loving, faithful action following Jesus. Amen.